Today's a very special day for us that we call Campus Day. We get and welcome back our college students. We will introduce you to some of those and have a good time with them. Our theme today is courage, and uh, so we're going to play a little game as we get started here uh, uh, called the uh, College Feud, all right? The College Feud. Let me uh, introduce our contestants today, uh, Katie Cunningham. Uh, Katie is a uh, senior at AUM, been around here for a while, and then Sydney Smith, we're glad to have her back. You guys are going to stand right here in front of the mic. First of all, just turn around so everybody can see you. We do have beautiful girls in our campus ministry, don't we? All right. And uh, so they're going to be our contestants today. And then uh, Alyssa Hargett, where's Alyssa? Is going to be our judge. So if you guys will stand up and sort of face the microphone. Uh, I've got the questions here. And uh, what we're going to do is, uh, guys, we're just going to show the question. We won't give the answers till afterwards. But uh, if you get the number one answer, then uh, you get five points and it goes down from there. So I'll give you... Uh, Alyssa, the uh, score as we go along. We have surveyed thousands of students, well, 33. We have surveyed <laughs> thousands of students for these answers. And here's our first question What is the scariest thing about the cafeteria? All right, raise your hand if you think you got an answer. Who's first? All right, go for it. Price. That is answer number three. So you get three points for that. Okay, now we'll go to you, Sydney. What do you think's a, a scary thing about the cafeteria? No, answers aren't going to go up there, all right? The food is answer number one. That's five points. Awesome. Let's keep going back and forth. Yes. Yes, it's your turn now. We've got price and food. You want to give another guess? The cafeteria lady. She didn't make the survey. I'm sorry about that. I wish she had. That's a great answer. I'd like to meet her. Does she go to church here? <laughs> okay. Uh, how to sit by yourself? Where, no, that is the number five answer. Where to sit. Having to sit by yourself. Okay. We get one more X. You want to try here, um, Katie? You got another answer? Yes, you can pass. All right. You get one more chance, Sydney. No points for passing. All right. Okay, let's pass. Okay, let me give you the five top answers. All right, number one was the food. Number two was mystery meat. Does, does either of y'all know what mystery meat is? It doesn't sound good. All right, number three is the prices. Number four is a lack of nutrition, which y'all obviously didn't care about. And number five is where to sit. All right, so we got our scores added up. All right, let's go to question number two. What is your greatest fear about college? Who wants to answer first? Yes. Flunking out, that is answer number one, all right? You, you get five points for that. Sorry she got that one, all right? Um, what do you think, Sydney? How to make new friends. That is number four, making new friends and being lonely, all right? That's worth two points. You want to try again? Greatest fear about college? Uh, scary professors. Scary professors did not make the list. I'm so sorry about that. You're giving some good answers. You must not have taken the survey. All right. Sydney? Um, a random roommate. A random roommate did not make it. Okay, so let me give you what's the greatest fears. Number one is failing. Number two is too hard. Number three is the cost. Number four, you got this one, making friends and being lonely. And number five, leaving home. All right, so you hurt your parents' feelings today by not saying that. Right? <laughs> we wanted that to be number one. 
Okay, last question. Let's see how we do. What is your biggest fear about your roommate? We've got six answers here, so you can get six points if you get the number one. Yes? Taking your stuff. Taking your stuff. Didn't make it. (laughs) I'll tell you, Mississippi State really did um, mess you up, didn't it? (laughs) Taking your stuff. We don't worry about that around here. Okay, you have an answer? (laughs) Biggest fear about your roommate? This should be easy. Walking in on me in the shower. (laughs) You are very creative. But very wrong, okay? Let me give you both another chance for more points here. Biggest fear about your roommate? Um, Making a mess. Not cleaning up after yourself. There you go. Answer number two worth five points. Messy. All right. Okay, you got a shot? (laughs) <laughs> we got some counseling we need to do up here, all right. Wrong answer. So let me give, while you're adding the points up, let me give you the, the top six fears about roommates. Number one, we didn't get, is not getting along. All right. Number two is messy. Number three is different values. Number four, maybe girls don't worry about this, is snoring. And I can't believe number five, it's being too clean. I'd love to have that room. And number six is fascinating. Your roommate stinks. <laughs> okay, we got our scores. Who's our winner? Who's our second place? Sydney won. Sydney, you get a gift card to Chappie's Deli. And my friend here, you get a landmark car tag. <laughs> Thank you for participating. Well, guys, we all have fears, don't we? Whether it's... um mystery meat are really trying to stand up for Jesus so today we talk about courage and if you're taking notes we're gonna start a sentence here and let me give you the the first part of the sentence is that that we admire courage we really do and when we see it, it, it it's it's something that we love because we know courage implies that you're facing danger with confidence that you're doing the right thing even if it's difficult. And when we see it, we, we definitely admire it. That's why I think this movie came out a few months ago, 42, about the Jackie Robinson story was so extremely popular. Because we know courage when we see it. Robinson had played in what was called the Negro Leagues in 45 and 46. In 1947, the Brooklyn Dodgers decided they wanted to break the racial barrier. And they chose Jackie Robinson. And when they first brought him in, and the old crusty manager is interviewing him about how he's going to handle when people taunt him and spit on him and cuss at him and call him names, Robertson said to him, you want a man who doesn't have the guts to fight back? And the manager said, no, I want a man who has the guts not to fight back. And we watch that movie, and we see such courage And we like it and we want it. But look up here. Let me give you ten adjectives, all right? Ten descriptions maybe of your life. Go to the next screen if you would. If if you were to look through those ten and I were to ask you to choose one or two that was descriptive of you. Here's what I figured out, looking at my own life anyway, is, is most of us don't name courage. We love it, we admire it when we see it, 
it excites us, but most of us don't think of ourselves as being very courageous. So add this to our sentence. Courage, we admire it, but we don't see it. We don't see ourselves as having it. I might see Jackie Robinson had courage. I might say Nelson Mandela had courage. I might say Neil Armstrong had courage. But I don't necessarily see it in myself. Now here's the good news of our message today. The good news is that we can gain it. We can gain courage. You see, sometimes I think we want to believe either you're a courageous person or you're not. And I just, you know, there's a few of those over here, and then there's me and the rest of us, and we're not very courageous. Today, I'm going to give you a great example of some men who gain courage. And it's the apostles. We've been looking at them in this Mark series. I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible story of how much they change. The before and after picture. How many of you like before and after pictures? Well, it's a great advertising tool. Let me show you one about a uh, workout supplement. All right, show us this next slide. Do you see those all the time? Here's the way you look before, and if you take a curtain peel, you look this way. I mean, you may not recognize this, but these are pictures of Nathan Earl Caps. All right, quite quite a change, right? And we advertise that way because we we love to go. It could be this way, and it could become this way. Let me give you the the biggest before and after picture in the history of the world. It is the apostles. Because at one point, they run away. At another point, they run toward the danger. I mean, it's quite a story. The, the, The star of our story today will be Simon Peter. Simon Peter was scared to death. When he's questioned at Jesus' trial, he denies he even knows him. He runs at the cross. And yet, guys, we go 50 days later, and this man is preaching to thousands of people boldly, without compromise. And when we get to our story today, just a couple months later, he's being threatened with his life. Acts chapter 3, he does a miracle, heals this lame man, this lame beggar, and in the middle of that, everybody starts coming because of the miracle, and he starts teaching about Jesus. And then they pull him in, and they tell him and John, you've got to stop this stuff, we don't like this. And they say, we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. And finally they let him go. And then in chapter 5, they bring him back. And again, they, this time they threaten him with their life. And, and, and Peter says, should we obey men or obey God? We must obey God. And they couldn't quite get their courage up to kill them, so they just beat them. At the end of chapter 5, they leave. The Bible says this, talk about courage. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. What happened to this fellow we met earlier who's been so transformed? That's what I've been searching for this week. If you go back to the book of Acts, how can you explain this? How can you explain a man who wanted to admit he knows Jesus and now is willing and does give his life for proclaiming Jesus? What's the explanation? I kept reading. I think I finally saw it in the middle of John and Peter's interaction with the Jewish leaders. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to see five things I believe that really changed them. Five clues of how you could get courage. Look at verse 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees 
came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. This thing is absolutely exploding. Clue number one, why they had such courage, is conviction. They believed that Jesus resurrected. You see, if you want to look at a timeline between the before picture and the after picture, the biggest difference is they had witnessed the resurrected Christ and it changed everything. Because the resurrection is the greatest fact of all of history. That God would die, stay in a tomb for three days, and come back alive changed everything. It changed these men. I'm telling you, in my life, it changed my life. Today's campus day. I think about being a college student at the University of Alabama. My first semester, I even took some religion classes. At best, the religious professors were agnostic. I took a philosophy class where they made fun of anybody who believed in God. I was scared to death. And for the first time in my life, I questioned whether I should believe. Am I just believing this because of my parents? Am I just believing this because this is the way I was raised? Or is this thing true? And man, I was scrambling. And I finally figured out I could not prove everything about the Bible. But there was one thing the Apostle Paul said you can build your life on. One thing that Christianity either stands or falls based on. 1 Corinthians 15. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says if it's not true, you're wasting your time. Your faith is in vain. If it is true, you ought to give your life to it. And I began to do some research and read some books. And I'm telling you, there is incredible historical evidence to believe it's true. And what convicted me more than anything else that it was true was this before and after picture. You've got to find a way to describe how these guys can be so weak and how then they can be so strong. And there's no legitimate explanation if Jesus is still dead. Because not only do they stand up for him, they die for him. Now, you don't die for something you know to be a lie. They believed it to be true. That's the first clue. Let's keep reading. All right. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Campus, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Now listen to this closely. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to count today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame or being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, talking about bold, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Number two, how are they so courageous? Power. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you notice this? In the moment where they're most pressured, the Bible says they're filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, buddy, I thought they already had the Holy Spirit. They did. If you read the book of Acts closely, there's a distinction between being full of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit is a continual word. When you become a Christian and you're immersed, you immediately receive the Holy Spirit. The word here for filled 
is a Greek word that means something that happens in a moment in time. So, so here they are. They're under all this pressure. Peter's got to an answer, and the Holy Spirit fills him. It's a direct answer to what Jesus promised in the book of Luke. Jesus says, when you stand before men and you've got to have words, the Holy Spirit will give you those words. And so there's a special feeling of the Holy Spirit here in this spot, on this moment, that gives them the words to speak. Can I ask you this? Have you ever experienced that? Where, where you were in a position, maybe with a friend or a person or an enemy or before a group, and you had to respond, and you didn't know what to say, and you walked away and you said, you know what, I don't know how that happened, but God gave me those words. you ever experienced that? I, I don't know how many times I've experienced it in my life, but I can remember in this place almost 17 years ago when we were all under attack and a man had written an eight-page paper about me being a false teacher and I was asked to stand up and respond to the six charges. If ever in a moment I felt like the Holy Spirit empowered me on the spot and gave me words that I didn't know I would say, it was in that moment. And guys, that's why these guys could be so courageous. They believed in the resurrection. They had conviction. They also had power by the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go on. Let's keep reading the story. Let's see what happens next. Jesus, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. Can you imagine how bold that was to say to these Jewish leaders? Salvation is found in no one else. My goodness, that's courageous to say today, isn't it? Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind of which we must be saved. Number three, they had authority. They acted in the name of Jesus. That's what Peter said to him. Guys, we're not doing this by our own authority. We're doing it in the name of Jesus. What's it mean to do something in the name of Jesus? What's it mean when you pray in the name of Jesus? It means you pray with the authority of Jesus. If you're the U.S. ambassador to Russia and you go to speak to your Russian counterpart, you do it in the name of the United States. What's that mean? You carry with you, it's not just you speaking, you carry the good faith, authority, and power of the United States. As little kids, we understood this, didn't we? If we wanted, you know, to, to do something to our friends, we would say, I arrest you in the name of the law. What are we saying? It, it, there's authority behind this. And to live in the name of Jesus is to live with authority. It's not you walking in that schoolroom. It's Jesus walking in there with you. It's not just you, it's your business trying to be courageous and right. You are living it out in the authority and name of Jesus. It's not just you, it's Him. Guys, the name of Jesus carries great power. I was so proud months ago when a correspondent named Britt Yoon was on live TV. I think it was the Fox Network. And it's when Tiger Woods had his incredible fall. And all the evidence was coming out. And Britt Hume said on TV, the answer to Tiger Woods' problem is Jesus. Because that's the only place he can find the forgiveness for his past and the faith for his future. He was roundly criticized for saying those words. 
And Hume came back and said, listen to me. There are no words on the face of the earth that shake people up like the name of Jesus. He said some things I thought were sort of humorous. No one ever said, what in Allah's name? No one ever leaves a text, O-M-B, oh my Buddha. He said, because those names don't carry such power. But the name of Jesus does carry power. So they, they did it in the name of Jesus. Let's keep looking for another clue. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Number four. Example. They had seen the courage of Jesus. They'd seen courage. It's inspiring. They were with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is literally scared to death, at the point of death, on the ground, beating the ground, begging the Father for another way. They've witnessed Jesus submit to the Father's will, and then, filled with courage, walk out to the soldiers that are coming to arrest Him, and so shock them they fall to the ground. They had witnessed courage. Now, Hollywood didn't want you to see that. But in the movie 42 about Jackie Robinson, you know one of the major reasons Jackie Robinson was picked to be the first African-American in the major leagues was because he had a strong Christian faith. And in that first discussion with his manager about how he would handle the criticism, they discussed the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' command to turn the other cheek. That's why Jackie Robinson could do what he did. And the movie didn't tell you this either, or didn't show you this. That every game before he got on the field in the dugout, Jackie Robinson got on his knees and prayed to God that God would give him the strength. You see, guys, it's the example of Jesus who turned the other cheek, who forgave his, the very ones who were crucifying him. It's that name that gives us, and that example that gives us the motivation to show courage. They had seen it. Oh, we love courage, don't we? We'd love to see it. And guys, here's the good news this morning, is that we see it all around us. We see it in so many different places. I see it in this church all the time. Let me just tell you some courage I've seen over the last few years. A teenage boy named Britton Johnston played football on a Christian school football team, and a lot of cuss words were going on. He stood up in the middle of practice and asked him, are we going to be a Christian school or not? That took some courage. I think about Trey Hayes this past Friday who gave his bone marrow despite the fact it's extremely painful to someone he has never met. I think of Salim Afangaday who last friend day stood up in her law class and invited the whole law class to friend day and gave out cards. I think of Junior Bagwell, the courage as a shepherd and leader in this church to come to this front row and say, because of my medication and Satan's temptations, I'm struggling with pornography that took courage. I think of Allison Atkinson who sent me the greatest email this week about praying with a non-believer in her office, that she took the challenge to pray with someone she didn't know, and she went so far to pick someone she knew was not a believer, and she prayed with this person, and it was an amazing experience. I think of people in this church like Alex Jackson and Craig Hobson who faced death head on with courage and strength at age where they shouldn't be having to face it. 
I think of people in this audience, I won't name their names, who've lost their job because they wouldn't compromise on their records to make more money. I've seen people in this audience who've moved out with the person they were living with because they weren't married. I've seen Christian administrators have to leave schools because the school was not any longer living under the um, principles of Jesus Christ. And I could give you story after story after story of courage. And guys, the greatest way we normally see courage is when we see it. We see it in someone and we go, my goodness, I'd like to have that. In fact, I want to bring a courageous young man before you right now. Hayden, if you'd come on up here. This is Hayden Hilver. Hayden is a, a student at AUM. He's a baseball player out there. In this past January, Hayden was immersed in Jesus Christ. Could you give a hand? Now, now Hayden, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you just a, a few questions because I've, I've seen your life really transformed. I, I know you grew up in a Christian home, but you, you got away from it. Yes, sir. What motivated you to want to give your life to, to Jesus? Um, a, a teammate of mine, Chad Mansman, just walking out his walk of faith. I knew he had a past as I did, and it was really my motivation to get back to the church. So you saw Chad, same kind of past. You, what, what kind of past was that? Um, just the partying, pretty much uh, what people say is normal college life, I guess. Okay, yeah. It's not very normal, but... We'd hope not, right? Right. And so, tell me, once you made this change, here you are... Playing on this baseball team, then I assume they're not all living it out, all right? Is that a safe bet? That's a safe bet. Okay, so, so what, what did you face, Hayden, when you went back and now that you were different? Being around the same people on a daily basis that wanted to bring you back into that lifestyle. And you had to face those demons every day of people asking you to do things you didn't want to do. And what did they expect at first? They expect, what do you think they expected? I think they expected me to jump back into my language habits. Okay. I mean, that was a really, that's still a big thing in baseball is profanity as a norm and uh, just dealing with that on a daily basis. Okay, so, so the profanity and the partying scene and uh, they keep on coming at you. What, um, what gave you the courage to, to stand out now consistently? And I know you all starting back this past week and, and what gave you the courage to do that? Um, wanted to, to uh, disciple to others as Chad and Heath Woodruff have done for me. Um, the feeling I got, the peace and the love and just the safety with Jesus, I want others to feel the same way. Man, I love that. The feeling you got, the peace and safety with Jesus. That motivates you, won't you? Yes, sir. Hey, we're so proud of you. Thanks for sharing with us today. Y'all give him a hand. You know, to walk back in that kind of situation, that's courage. For some of you to walk back at work, and your language to be different than everybody else's, that would take courage. For some of you to go back in your home and treat the people with love and respect, that would take courage. For some of us to stand up in a situation for Jesus. Maybe it's the courage you displayed last week in praying with someone you never prayed with that was so uncomfortable, but you stepped out and you did it. Or it's over these next few weeks as we get ready for friend day and you invite that person, you know, that, that, that you're scared. What are they going to do if I give them a card from church? It takes courage. And guys, courage is found when we begin to celebrate these kind of examples. 
And then let me give you one other way that courage is found. There's, there's one other clue. And this is one that you could do in this service today. In Acts chapter 4, after they've been brought in and they've been threatened, the church gathers. Look at verse 29. Lord, listen to their threats. We are your servants, so make us brave enough to speak your message. After they had prayed, the meeting place shook. Talking about a prayer meeting? This place shook. They were all, here's our word again, filled with the Holy Spirit and bravely spoke God's message. Our last clue of what changed these men is their prayer life. They asked God to make them brave. And, and today, you could do the same thing. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song. And you know what? Maybe you hadn't been so brave. Maybe you're still in the before picture and you want to get to the, the after picture. And, and today, what we could do is we could shake your life up and shake this church up by taking the time to pray and to ask God to fill you. So that's number five. The prayer life they had, they asked God to make them brave. And they were. They're willing to give their lives for this. Go to the next slide there, Michael. They're willing to give their lives for that. That today, you have the chance yourself to be prayed for. And guys, let's let's say this. Here's here's our theme of this series. And you see it all over your bulletin. It's marked that these men had been so marked by Jesus, so decisively marked, that they started acting like him. Isn't that what we're trying to do here? We're not just trying to build a big church or have a lot of folks in this room or do some good things or even be a little bit moral than the people around us. We are trying to become like Jesus, to be marked by him. I mean, the, the, even, even the heathen people go, man, alive, Peter and John, it's not normal for them to have this kind of courage. The only way we can explain it is they must have been with Jesus. And so today, you think, you know what, those list of words, I would have never circled courage. But today, you know, I, I, I see it in so many, I want it. You may know the exact situation where you need to go. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's your school. Maybe it's where you work. Maybe it's in your neighborhood where you need to display some courage. We're like Hayden. You may have to go back and relive it in front of them. And at first they're going to make fun of you. At first they're not going to believe it's really for real. But you're going to stick with it long enough that they're going to go, you know what? That guy's changed. And you know what? Hayden's now bringing people to Jesus. That's what happens when you're marked. Because here's the cool thing about our message today. is all five things, all five clues we have seen today are available to us. We can have the conviction of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It would change your life. We can have the power of the feeling of the Holy Spirit. It's promised to every Christian. We can live our life out in the name of Jesus. Not as ourselves, but with His authority. And we too have the example of Jesus that should motivate us out of our mind. And we also today have the power of prayer that we can ask God to make us brave. Because these these guys were so marked. The most amazing story in Acts to me is over in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen 
Stephen's not even one of the apostles, but Stephen is so marked and so full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen stands up and, man, he preaches a scathing sermon. And they get so mad, they come at him with rocks. And they're starting to stone him. And would you listen to what Stephen said? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then as the rocks begin to pound, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against these people. Now, can I ask you, who does that sound like? Who is that almost a verbatim quote of? Jesus. And guys, here's the possibility for us today. We can be so marked by Jesus that His words become our words. That we would have the bravery to even face death just like Him. Submitting our spirits to God and even forgiving the people who are killing us. You talk about Mark, that is Mark. And today, if you need some of that bravery in your life and you need us to pray for you, we've got a chance right now. Or if you're ready to follow Jesus because you believe he resurrected from the dead, you've got a chance right now. Why don't you come while we stand together and sing?